The second reading today comes from Psalm 2. Psalm 2, starting from verse 1. Why do the nations conspire and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their chains and throw off their shackles. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. He rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. I will proclaim the Lord's decree. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have become your father. Ask me and I will make the nations your inheritance, the end of the earth your possession. You will break them with a rod of iron. You will dash them to pieces like pottery. Therefore, you kings, be wise, be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and celebrate his rule with trembling. Kiss his son or he will be angry and your way will lead to destruction. For his wrath can flare up in a moment. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Well, hello everyone. My name is Sam Foster. For those of you who don't know me, uh, I'm one of the youth pastors here at Richmond Anglican, and I've been asked by Rick to open God's word with you today. And it is genuinely great to be here with some of our congregation, uh, but also all of you watching along at home on the live stream. We have some awesome scripture to look at together today, and I am absolutely thrilled, uh, but I wanna begin by explaining a little bit about myself. I feel like it's always good to share with our Christian brothers and sisters, and it might surprise you because of the cool facade that I put on, uh, but I love to read fantasy novels with knights and magic and dragons and heroes. And what I find to be uh, a reasonably common thread through most of the books, or at least most of the good ones is this idea of a throne needing to be filled. Of course, in these stories, it always seemed that the main character was this promised king all along. And eventually there would be this kind of awesome reveal or this really cool moment where the king is revealed. And today's psalm reminded me that those stories are just that stories and the reality of our king is so much greater than the vague shadows found in stories because brothers and sisters we have a king he has won the battles he has saved his people and in the midst of our pain struggle uncertainty and strife we can cling to that king the risen Christ, Jesus. And as it says at the end of the psalm that was just read out by Katie, blessed are all who take refuge in him. So with that in mind, uh, let's pray, and then we'll open our Bibles and we'll, we'll jump right into the passage. So please bow your heads wherever you are, whether it's in the building or at home, and let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we ask that you would help us to focus in on your word 
now. Please help us to to look at what you want us to learn with reverence, respect what it is you have to teach us, submit to the knowledge that we gain, and take comfort from the King that you have anointed. In your Son's name we pray. Amen. So we're going to look at our passage in three movements, and I'll give them to you now right off the bat uh, so you can know when we've hit them. If you're a note taker, you can write little subheadings at the top of your page. The first one is, there is a king. The second one is, the nations hate the king. And lastly, we need the king. So you'll need your Bibles open. Uh, Unsurprisingly, it's an essential part of looking at the text uh, because we're going to do things a little weirdly. If you weren't able to get a Bible on the way in because they're all quarantined off, feel free to pull out your phone. I will accept it in this instance. Uh, We're going to start off doing something a little weirdly here. So I want you guys to bear with me because our first movement begins in verse 4. And we're going to go all the way through to verse 9. So let's look at verse 4 together. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. Okay, stop there. God laughs. And what is he laughing at? Well, he's laughing at these people and these nations mentioned in the previous verses who are making plans against him. The Lord, the God of the universe, laughs at these men, these nations, these humans that don't even honestly know what's going to happen tomorrow, let alone have the wisdom to make good choices for themselves in the moment. Like a parent or an adult laughs at the silly, honestly dumb stuff that small children do because the small child knows nothing. These people in verses 1 to 3 basically say, I want to live my life the way that I want to live my life. And God laughs. And he rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath. The all-powerful God laughs. And then he follows up that laughter with something very real. And let's look at what he says to rebuke these people. I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. I will proclaim the Lord's decree. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have become your father. Ask me and I will make the nations your inheritance the ends of the earth your possession. You will break them with a rod of iron. You will dash them to pieces like pottery. God laughs at the futility of what these other nations are trying to do in standing against him. And he rebukes them in his anger. And what does he tell them? He rebukes them by saying, I have installed my king. What you're doing is pointless. Brothers and sisters, God has installed his king. And he says to his king, you are my son. And this is what I'm going to do. I will make the nations your inheritance and the earth your possession. And now you might be sitting there wondering, who is this king? Throughout the Bible, we see lots of kings. So it's actually a reasonably justified question. You might be wondering, which king is this psalm talking about? 
Well, he's talking about his promised king, his anointed king. And to some extent, the line of kings that we see through the Bible starts that promise. It started with David in 2 Samuel chapter 7, continued through Solomon and the promises made there. Yet the problem with all of those earthly kings is that they only partially lived up to some of the promises. David and Solomon at least had control of the nations around them and they had peace if only for a short time. Yet Israel was never really a superpower. Yet God does establish his kings. This psalm is actually written by King David himself, one of these kings. And in 2 Samuel chapter 7, that chapter I mentioned previously, in verse 16, God promises King David, your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. Yet clearly these promises aren't quite fulfilled in any of the, the faulty human kings that we see. As I mentioned before, even at their height, Israel was no worldly superpower. There was even a gap of a few hundred years where Israel didn't have a king before Jesus. You see, that's the difference. There must be a greater king. There must be a final king. There must be an anointed one. And so we land on Jesus, the risen Christ, the greater king. So how does that sit with all of you? God has installed his king. Someone else is in control. Someone else is ruling. Is that all good? Everyone's fine with that? We're going to go to our second movement now. Hopefully you noticed that we skipped the first three verses because I told you right at the beginning we were going to do it. Uh, we started off in verse four, but now we're going to go back and look at these nations for our second movement and have a look at the nations that hate the king. Look with me at verse one. Why do the nations conspire and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us break their chains and throw off their shackles. These earthly kings, these earthly nations, they think they're the best. They come together and they say, let us free ourselves from the oppression that God has put upon us. They want to be free from God. They hate the idea of having a king over them. These earthly nations and kings of the earth hate the king. And I think it's essential for us to kind of pause here, step back from the psalm a little bit and include ourselves in this. You might be sitting there as a Christian of many years. Perhaps you're sitting there unsure of what your faith truly is or what your relationship with God is. But I want to ask you the question, do you view the way God wants you to live your life as bondage? Those nations and people see God and his chosen king as a bondage bringer. I know I certainly have at times um, 
thought about the, the way that God wants me to live my life in a particular moment, and I've, I've said, man, this feels heavy. I don't want to do this. And so I can kind of understand, at least to a small extent, where these kings are coming from. Yet, at the same time, part of being a Christian, part of what we signed up for, is the fact that we should trust God and we should obey him. It's what we signed up for when we accepted the grace freely offered. So whatever temptation you're facing, whatever sin or worldly desire is calling your name, do not be tempted to remove the loving fences that God puts around you through his word. Adam and Eve in the garden, just like these kings and nations, wanted to band together against the Lord and against his anointed. They ate that fruit so they would be like God, so they could rise up against him. The Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 7 wrote, I do not understand what I do, for I do not do the good that I want to do, but instead I do the evil that I do not want to do. It's a fundamental part of being a Christian that we acknowledge our own weakness. You could almost make an argument that to be a Christian, you need to recognize that a small part of you, or perhaps a big part of you, hates God. If you're sitting there today and telling yourself, no, that's not true, I love God perfectly, then by all means go ahead, but you're lying to yourself. Instead, we need to acknowledge our shortcomings and repent. That's the grace we've been offered freedom from sin sometimes in fact an awful lot of time a lot of the time we don't live up to what we signed up for as christians and we find ourselves being like those nations against god rather than for him perhaps you're a non-believer perhaps you don't yet know really what christ means for your life or you're searching for answers, you haven't yet glimpsed the sacrifice of Christ on the cross. And if that is you, I encourage you to keep searching and questioning. I hope and pray that you don't take the side that these nations did and continue to do. Because I don't want anyone to miss out on the promises and the comfort that God's anointed king offers to those who follow him. Are you against God or are you for him? And if the resounding answer in your head is, I am for God, are you still acting like you're against him? This kind of brings us neatly into our final movement. Uh, this is the last three verses of this psalm. And whilst the rest has been kind of heavy and a, a, a bit judgmental, it feels, uh, this contains some comfort so let's let's read therefore you kings be wise be warned you rulers of the earth serve the lord with fear and celebrate his rule with trembling kiss his son or he will be angry and your way will lead to your destruction for his wrath can flare up in a moment blessed are all who take refuge in him 
the author of the psalm, David, makes a rational plea to these kings and rulers of the earth. Therefore, so in other words, in light of what he's just said, you hate the idea of God ruling your life. Yet, it is a fact that God has installed his king. And he clearly knows what's best to the point of your futile efforts to oppose him being laughable. Therefore, you kings and nations of the earth, be wise and be warned. Now, we all want to be wise. I'm sure you could all agree. If there was one thing you would want a little bit more of, it's wisdom. Be wise and be warned. And in the case of these earthly kings and rulers, they are given a bit of a, a pattern of wisdom and warning, kind of saying the same thing twice. Serve the Lord, but do so with fear and celebrate his rule over you, but tremble at his power over you. Kiss his son or else he will be angry and you will be destroyed. His wrath can flare up at any moment. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Now, if you're anything like me, this list of wisdom at first glance feels like it's followed up by a threat. And that instantly kind of makes my sinful heart pull away. Because I'm like, don't, don't tell me to do something and then say, or else, at the end, because I'm instantly not going to want to do it. I might have originally just done it anyway. So why, why is this here? Why is it included? Well, I think it's because it's absolutely right. The earthly kings that David is lamenting, they were plotting against God. And God laughs. But then in all seriousness, if they follow through, they will be destroyed. In the same way that if a, a small child goes to their parent, and I've used this analogy a lot, um, this idea of a small child with their parents. I don't have children, so I apologize, but I was a stupid child at one point. So I feel like that gives me a little bit of credibility. My parents are laughing in the background. Like if a small child goes to their parent with some silly idea that'll clearly result in pain, that they can't see is coming their way. The parent might laugh, right? They might laugh in that moment. But then it would also be the duty and the responsibility of that loving parent to say, if you do that thing, you're going to get hurt. And kids always want to ask why. Don't play with fire, little Jimmy. Why, Dad? Because it will burn you. And you'll get hurt. Why serve the Lord, celebrate God's rule, kiss his son? Because if we don't, we remain in bondage to sin. Remember a little bit earlier, I said that these earthly kings and rulers, and by extension, the world around us, at times see God as a bondage bringer. It's not true. In fact, it's the opposite. We are already bound, but bound to sin. God is the bondage breaker. And the way he does that is through his anointed king, the Messiah, installing him on Zion. So what's the response? Seek refuge in him. We have a king. And if you accept that king, don't act like you hate him. <laughs> know that you need him. 
Now in working this out in our lives, it might be a little hard to kind of see the practical implications. So I, I thought about this and I want to kind of give you guys three categories that you can work on over the coming weeks or the coming months. And those, those three categories are reverence, submission, and comfort. Perhaps you don't have enough reverence for God. Perhaps that's what you need to work on. Serving the Lord with fear and celebrating his rule with trembling. You turn up to church on Sunday because it's what you've always done, but you don't truly feel much emotion towards God. You pray, but it's like you're chatting to a mate at the pub, not the God of the universe. You need to build up some reverence for God, some respect, so that when those temptations come up, you can say, no, that's not what my king wants me to do. That's not how, that's not how the ruler of my life wants me to live. Therefore, you kings, be wise, be warned, you rulers of the earth. Perhaps you really struggle to submit to God. Then this psalm is crying out to you like a giant billboard falling on top of your car as you're driving down the road. These earthly rulers wanted to live life the way that they wanted to live it. And God laughed. Because it makes no sense. God has installed his king. Submit to him. That's what you signed up for as a Christian. Are you living it? Because all other paths lead to destruction. Maybe you know this. Maybe in your head you know this. But day to day it doesn't resonate with you in your life. You get up in the morning, get ready for work. You hop in your car. You drive to work where you work to earn your money for you. You, you. Serve the Lord. Celebrate his rule. Kiss his son. Perhaps you need to listen to God, read his word, and submit to what you learn. Perhaps what you're feeling at the moment, after hearing about those two things, uh, and looking at the world around us and looking at the way that it seems that the world and the nations are going, perhaps what you're feeling is fear. Terror, even, at the way that the world is going. And if that's you, then I want to remind you that as Christians, we are not those nations. We are not the nations mentioned here. Whilst, whilst we might be able to learn from them and strive not to be them, as Christians, we are not these nations. Perhaps you struggle to find comfort in God, then again, this psalm is for you. Celebrate his rule. Rejoice in it. And finally, that, that line at the end of the psalm, blessed are all who take refuge in him. Blessed. Do you feel blessed? You should. Because what is the blessing? It is being saved by the king. The salvation that Christ bought for you by his blood, sacrifice and pain. If you're terrified of the world and the nations, then you need to grasp hold of God's power, not your own. This psalm is for you. 
In John chapter 16, in this world you'll have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. That is Jesus speaking. We can take refuge out of a response to his greatness. Perhaps that's what you can work on, finding comfort in God. So which one are you? Perhaps you're all three, perhaps you're two. You can pick and choose. I'll leave it up to you, I trust you. Perhaps you need to revere God more. Perhaps you need to submit to his word and perhaps you need to take comfort from his power and the love and the grace that he offers you. Because, brothers and sisters, we have a king. The nations hate the king. Don't be like them. Instead, know as Christians that we desperately need this king. So revere him, submit to him, take comfort. For blessed are all who take refuge in him. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the grace that you offer to us. Despite our sinful and constant rebellion against you, please help us to grasp hold of the blessing that you offer. Help us to take comfort in you, submit to your word, and revere and respect your power over us and your rule over our lives. Dear Lord, we ask that in this time you would bless all of the people listening to this and hearing your word today, that it might impact our hearts and change our lives for you. In your son's name we pray. Amen.